Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for this opportunity to worship you together today. We pray, Lord God, that you would help us to lay our concerns, Lord, and worries that we brought with us today at your feet. May we entrust them to you, Lord, so that we might focus upon you now, Lord, that we might worship you truly, and that you might give us great unity together as the body of Christ. We pray, Lord God, that you would place your word firmly within our hearts, Lord God, and that it may, that it may spring forth upon our lips. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning! So good to see you all today. Well, I don't know about you, but when I am like telling somebody about my life, if I haven't seen them in a while, I often just kind of hit the high points. You know, that's the pleasant part to talk about about your life, often. Um, say, for instance, you go to like a high school reunion. What are you going to tell those people who you haven't seen in decades? Yeah, you're going to be like, I've got a family, kids, you know, whatever, job. Like, you do, do the, the big things, right? You wouldn't be like, well, I like to sit on my couch and watch movies and eat Fritos. <laughs> right? That's not something, unless that's the apex, right? That's not probably something you're going to want to be sharing, right, in that kind of conversation. And often when we think about our lives, aren't we just often thinking of the high points when we look back, reflect on our life? We think about the, the worst of times and the best of times. We, we look at those things. It's hard to think about and to remember that those little things in life, those little moments, are significant as well. For instance... You know, sitting for half an hour this last week with my wife at the 10-minute oil change place. <laughs> we had a spare, time, a spare bit of time together. It was special time. It was a significant moment. In the grand scheme of things, it was just half an hour, right? But it was a significant moment. We're trying to repair my father-in-law's old hand drill, uh, electric hand drill, with my second oldest daughter, right? We had it all torn apart and we're working on it. It didn't work out in the end, so was it a massive success? Yeah, it was in some ways, right? Even though it was a failure in terms of the drill, it ended up in the trash. But the time, the little time, was invested well. Or listening to my youngest daughter try to con me into letting her watch TV. Right? You know, what a little moment, but seeing her brilliant little mind cooking up all kinds of excuses about how TV was a great idea right then. Right? You know, those little moments, those fringe moments in our life can be so significant. This week in our Old Testament reading, I was challenged to think that maybe the peripheral things matter more than I thought. The edges, the margins of life, are where so much of life is lived, not on the mountaintops. So we're going to be reading from Leviticus and speaking from Leviticus today. And what do we think of when we hear the word Leviticus? Law, Law right? We think snoozer. That way we think, like, rules on top of rules on top of rules on top of rules on top of regulations and regulations and regulations. Doesn't seem exciting, does it? But unfortunately, that's an impoverished view that uh, I have, at least when I think about it sometimes. Because the law that God gave was beautiful, compassionate, and perfect. How great would it have been if the Israelites had just followed it, right? What would their society have looked like if they would have obeyed that law? 
For instance, it's not in our Leviticus reading from today, but every debt was to be forgiven every seven years. How's that for awesome, right? You get to, instead of having that bear down on you the rest of your life, instead it's forgiven every seven years. Your land is restored to you. If you had to mortgage your land off for a debt, you get it back. At the end of those seven years, no one without a home or a place, everyone taken care of. It's a lovely thing, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing to have that work like that. And here we see a snippet of this beautiful law in our first reading. Now, the law is beautiful, but it's tough too, right? And you'll see why when you look at our first passage. The Lord says, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, this could be a throwaway passage. You could skip right over and get to the other things. But what is God saying here? Do it my way, absolutely. And what is his way? Does he kind of halfway do it? Always, right? You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Is God like partway holy? Does God kind of like do it during the business hours, but afterwards, you know, business in front, party in the back? No, God is, God is holy all the time. And God's holiness has no fault, no failure, no deficit, no deficiency. And he called the people of Israel to that perfection. The people of Israel were called to be a mirror to the holiness of God. Their holiness and their repentance, when they fell short, would be for the world like a compass pointing others to God. And so the Lord begins to explain to them how to live as his people. Now, in our passage for today, we're missing like seven verses in the middle. That's where you see a lot of the Ten Commandments, um, a, re- a repetition of the Ten Commandments in that section that was left off for today. Um, so it jumps, ours jumps from the holiness command to this second thing. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare or gather the fallen grapes on your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Now, these commands seem a little peripheral, don't they? I mean, because you had the Ten Commandments right before this, and those are the biggies, right? Right, you know, like murdering, honoring your father and mother, keeping the Sabbath holy, no idols. Right, and then they're talking about grapes and like grain. Does that seem like it should be on equal footing in any way? I mean, why does God care about that stuff? Exactly. Because the way the Israelites harvested their land would care for the poor. If they did it according to the way God commanded them to do it, the poor would have something for themselves. Isn't that amazing? Right? That God puts that in there with those other commandments. He puts this in, this little thing about harvesting your land in a certain way. It would leave enough for the poor, enough for them to live on, if they would come and harvest it for themselves. In addition to these simple practices of just allowing a little extra for others is the command to not defraud your neighbor. That's a good one. Not to steal, not keep for yourself the wages of a laborer until morning. Right? These are all just ways you were supposed to care for the people around you. And they were ways in which the whole nation would be cared for and built up and would be like a shining light to other nations. 
Similarly, the deaf and the blind were to be protected because they could not protect themselves in the same way. As a mark of emphasis on all these laws, we hear the Lord say, You shall fear your God, I am the Lord. So in effect, who's going to be watching out for the observance of these laws? Who's going to be enforcing? The Lord. And does he miss anything? No, he's like he's not like watching prime time and missing out on what's going on. God is there watching all the time to see if his people would respect and obey his commandments and follow him. The Israelites were called to be people who acted justly toward both rich and poor, who cared for others when they harvested their fields and vineyards. Their whole life was to be lived in a way that would give God glory. This is what they were called to. And sometimes they actually did it that way, too. right? I think that's a miraculous thing. We see, for instance, in Ruth, how she cares for herself and her mother-in-law, Naomi, with the gleanings from the field of Boaz. Right? Boaz had left this according to the command, and so they were able to feed themselves on the gleanings from his fields. That is awesome, isn't it, that we saw this happening there in the scriptures? So it did work sometimes. But in other cases, we see the prophets railing at a nation where the rich and powerful are crushing and oppressing the poor, where there is no justice in the land. The nation was called to holiness, but fell far short. We are called to the same holiness by our Lord. Sure, the food and ritual laws are no longer active for us as um, Christians, but the moral law still stands and still bears witness to our God who cares for all, from the least to the greatest. And it bears testimony to our failure to carry out that law. This week I've been thinking about the margins, about those little choices and actions that happen around the big events in our lives. And how big a difference those, act, those little choices make. For the Israelites who were harvesting the grapes, you know, the ones who owned the vineyard, did not picking up the grapes that fell or not picking the vines completely bare make that much of a difference on their harvest hull? No, not that much. It was a few grapes, right? A few bunches of grapes. But for the poor who were hungry, did it make a difference in their lives? Absolutely. It was the difference between life and death. And also knowing that they were cared for, too. It was a tangible sign to them that these other people were honoring God and caring for them as well. The same thing with the harvesting the fields, right? Did it make a big difference for the landowner if they didn't get the the crops along the very edge of the field? Do you think that made a big difference comparatively? No, not much. Just a little bit. But for the poor people who were in need, did it make a difference? Absolutely. It was a sign to them that they were cared for. And in reality, it was the difference between life and death. They didn't need to beg. They didn't need to be on the corner asking for something. Instead, they could go and harvest that field for themselves. Life happens on the margins. It happens in the little choices we make that can have a huge effect on others. It happens out in these boundary areas where we just are going through life where we're not thinking this event is significant or important. It's not, a, it's not a mountaintop experience. Life happens in those normal moments in our life. Those choices that we make in those times 
can have a transforming and redeeming effect upon the lives of others. May our God give us the strength to be compassionate and wise in the little choices that we make. And may when we fall short, may we turn back to our God. May he give us the grace to repent and begin again in the hope of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for thinking of us, Lord, and giving us this commandment, Lord. Thank you for showing us your concern, Lord, for all people. Help us, Lord God, to live in compassion, to live in mercy, to find ways in our life in which we can care for those, Lord, whom you have placed among us, Lord, who are in need. Help us, Lord, to be gracious people, people who know that we have been given everything in our lives, Lord God. And in giving back, we are merely giving thanks to you, Lord God. Help us to live in joy, to live, Lord, in rejoicing that you have set us free from sin and death. May we share that good news as well with people, Lord. And we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to walk in peace in this world. Break our, pri- our prideful hearts, Lord God, and fill us with a deep and abiding understanding of how you see those who are walking among us, Lord, who we don't even look at. Lord, we pray this all in your name. Amen.